welcome to this week's episode of Seen It All, where we break down this week's biggest movie and TV news. And the new movie this week is Evil Dead Rise. I don't want to talk a ton about this movie, but I cause because I have to say this is one of the scariest films that I have ever seen. I haven't been really scared seeing a horror movie since It Chapter Two, and I kind of I kind of miss the adrenaline rush you get when you watch movies like this. And boy, did this deliver that in spades. I've never seen an Evil Dead movie. My friend and I, my friend and I went. <laughs> the friend I went with, he was a fanboy. He was fanboying out the entire time. He was mad that Ash was in the movie, the main character from the first films. I think he had a cameo as a priest or something like that as his voice, and he did a good job with that. But you couldn't really tell. But man, did this movie had a ton, a ton of gore and death. And each time the kills were really freaking unique, and they were just awful just awful the production design was fantastic really helped with the scariness when you can con- like contain the character contain the characters while this horror stuff is happening it makes it that just so much more intense because they can't they can't go anywhere but some of the character make the characters deci- this decisions the characters made oh it was just it was just so stupid and <laughs> i was actually kind of happy one of them died just because of how stupid they were i can i can i can make little the little girl, she makes make some stupid decisions, but she was like seven. The older, older kids, no, no. They were so stupid. <laughs> but I guess you wouldn't have a movie if they weren't stupid. Um, the cast, they all do a great job. The one, the one, the redhead that gets possessed in the trailers, I think she was honestly the best part of the film. She carried that film. She made her smiles when she was staring through the door were so creepy. It was honestly probably the scariest part of the movie. Her All her acting made that. And then the little girl, she did a great job. Um, I think she might be scarred for life, though. Some of the stuff she saw in this, thanks to filming this. Um... Even it's, though it's a movie, it's still I don't feel like she should have seen some of the things she did, and hopefully she has a good therapist. <laughs> um, this movie, though, I do have to say, this movie is so much better on the big screen. It was originally supposed to go on to HBO Max, but thankfully, thanks to good test screenings, I think it like scored in the 80s or the 90s, they decided to move it over to, over to theatrical, and that was such a great decision. I feel like it would have had less of a punch if I saw it on a streaming service, and I'm glad I got to see it in the theater. And later I'll watch it on streaming. Maybe down the road a little bit. Maybe bring someone up, watch some, which it, watch it with someone else and scare the crap out of them. I'll tell them it's a really, really peaceful movie and scare the crap out of them. <laughs> I do like though how the um the opening of the movie, I'll say it, leave it at this, but the opening movie connected like right to the ending. It was great how they did that, how it kind of looped around, and the main protagonist at the end, at the end, she or they fully became themselves by the end of the movie, and there was there may have been a chainsaw, there may have been may have been covered in blood but it was great it was perfect and it perfectly sets up a sequel how this movie ends and they are probably going to get one and let me speak of that to the reviews the reviews they let them they let horror critics really see this film at first so it was like in the high 90s for a minute there and i was just amazed i was like wow i can't believe it and then it's dropped now to i think an 89 percent now that more of the general critics have seen it and they probably i don't think most of them can handle the gore that is put on screen in this film but it, it has stellar reviews, and I think it's going to have stellar audience reaction to it. It's looking over with 15 to 20 million. I think it probably can hit the high end of that. And that's fantastic for a film that was, one, as I said, supposed to go to HBO Max, and then also had a budget of only $17 million. So this film will for sure make Warner Brothers Discovery a ton of money. Yeah, you guys should get out and see this. If you're horror fans, if you're horror fans, I definitely recommend this. But if you're not, uh, I might stay away from this because it will scare the crap out of you. <laughs> but speaking of tons of money, 
let's go back to this past weekend box office and uh super mario bros the movie just had the set best second weekend ever for an animated film just ahead of frozen 2 which was which second weekend of that was over thanksgiving so it was over in holiday super mario bros made 92 million dollars the second weekend it dropped like 38 percent that was amazing and now it's at i think recently it's crossed 809 million 900 million wor- worldwide it's going to get to w- at least 1 billion if not more it's going to keep climbing and this is incredible so it's, especially as i said since it's no longer a holiday weekend you you expect to see it drop off from the easter weekend but no it the mario movie hold exceptionally well um the general audiences they are loving this movie and i can't believe the money this film was making i feel like history is repeating itself after avatar 2 and top gun maverick these movies all held out really really well it's not about the beginning their opening it's about the long game all those all three of those did open pretty big but it's about the long game for these films and you see the general audience love it they will get out and go see these movies if you get that pocket of the country that doesn't want to really typically go out to see movies if you get them to go out to these movies these movies will make so much money um they, those movies really came to defy the year they re- define the years re- they released. Like I feel like when people look back on 2022, they're going to think Avatar The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick. And I think this is probably going to be one of the films for this year. Super Mario Bros. is definitely. Um, I think this just bodes more to the announcement that many more films are coming in the Mario Nintendo universe. And then there's definitely a sequel that will be announced. And I also think a Zelda movie is probably coming. I honestly, I really, I really want the Zelda movie in live action, not animation. Don't let Illumination touch this one, please. <laughs> and hopefully there will be a more story involved in that type of film. But this film is going to t- continue. Super Mario Bros. is going to continue to leg out. It has another week until Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out. So it will just keep on making money. And then Evil to Rise is no competition to this film. No competition. All completely different demographics. So it's going to do completely fine. Um, Renfield, on the other hand, is not doing so well. It, on- it opened only with $7.7 million. And that comes way under the projections of 10 to 14 million. And I think word got out that Nicolas Cage was not really in this movie. Um, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent starring Nick Cage last year. It released and it got similar opening. But you would expect this movie cost $65 million to make. And you expect that to do better than the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Although I really love Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It was one of my probably my top one in my top 10 favorite films of the year last year it was so funny i love that movie definitely check that out if you haven't seen it much better than renfield um this film is getting so so reactions but i think the real the real pitfall here besides spending 65 million dollars to make this movie is releasing it in april why the heck would you release a vampire movie in april and not uh i don't know halloween october time i could see this movie opening with 20 million if it was during the halloween season and they marketed correctly but no why are we opening it the week after easter what the heck here also, if you're going to make a Nick Cage Dracula movie, make a Nick Cage Dracula movie. Don't make a, him a supporting character. Make him the main character. And don't add a mob a mob drug subplot. Just focus on what the audience wants to see. Nick Cage as Dracula and the drama that comes with that. Hopefully this is just a bump in the road for Universal who has been making some awesome PG-13 to R-rated horror comedy films that keep getting pumped out and are usually awesome. But you don't need $65 million to make them. And then also, I have to mention... Dungeons and Dragons Honors Among Thieves again. I saw it for a third time. Just as good as the other two times. It's great. Go out and see it. Because it fell only 47% this past weekend. And is already it's already subbed $10 million. And it'll likely end with around $200 million worldwide. Which is really sad. I just have to mention it again. Because I want to implore you listeners to see this movie. It is so good. And hopefully Paramount will see the amazing reviews and amazing reactions. Hopefully they'll make a sequel. Or maybe a series for Paramount. I don't want to say goodbye to these characters. Please don't let me down Paramount. Please. <laughs> And then I also want to throw this out here that Avatar The Way of Water, speaking of it, it just came out that it made $530 million in profit last year from Deadline. Uh, that's incredible, and I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> 
Um, now let's move on to the next topic. So some new proje- new projects have begun filming. Let's start first. Ta- start off with a uh, Superman, Superman Legacy. I think is what it's going to be called. That is entered pre-production. This one is set to release in 2025. So I'm kind of surprised to see that pre-production has begun this early. It says it will begin filming in January 2024. And I think this just signals at this point that Superman has already been casted. And I think DC, at this point, DC Studios, is doing a good job of upholding that secret. And I bet you they are trying their hardest to wait till Comic-Con to announce it. And I think they picked someone good because James Gunn is, James Gunn is great as casting, as long as he doesn't cast any of his family members. <laughs> but James Gunn has to get this film right. This has to be success or we are back in the same scenario we are in right now. The entire DC studio success and partially James Gunn's career at this point has been bet on this movie and the films that follow it. I think the level of success needed to be achieved here will definitely happen, though, because James Gunn, he's amazing. I love all his films he's done. I love Guardians of the Galaxy films. I love Suicide Squad. I thought Slither was pretty good. He's a great director, and I have faith in him. And But I do have some trepidation, and hopefully Superman will be unlike those films in the tone, because I really want happy and bright Superman film. I mean, you can saw the downer stuff, but I, I don't want, like tone-deaf Superman or the raunchy jokes that you get in a lot of his projects. I hope it's not like that, and hopefully Jim's going to recognize that, and I think he does. Um, I hope we get a first look at Comic-Con, like I said, if they are starting pre-production this early, not just like a casting announcement, just like, I mean, first look, I mean the actor in the new costume with some visual effects, probably. And then James Gunn said he will have underwear sort of looking thing, and I I just throw this out there. I really hope, after careful consideration, they don't do that. Don't give Superman some weird red underwear, but I'm excited to see what he looks like. I don't think you can do much worse than Henry Cavill. <laughs> Not the actor, but the costume. I really hated the costume. And then another film that is about to begin filming is Mortal Kombat 2. will begin filming in June, and I have no excitement for this film at all. I really hated the direction they went in for the film back in 2021. The choice to not have Sub-Zero and Scorpion being the main characters of the film was too big of a mistake to overcome. This Cole character that they created was so boring. He's not even a real character. He wasn't from the games, and I wanted to focus on the cool action. I wanted to focus on the cool action that followed the Sub-Zero and Scorpion characters. The revenge plot with them was the most exciting, and every time we kept cutting back to Cole, the movie was awful. (laughs) There was also no Mortal Kombat tournament in the Mortal Kombat film. How does that happen? Why would you make that decision? It's just stupid. Oh, so stupid. (laughs) The action scenes I did together, the action scenes were pretty cool, and that's what the franchise deserves, especially when, like, the moment when Sub-Zero cuts Scorpion and then re- he refroze his blood and stabbed him with his own blood. That was so cool. That was like the highlight of the movie. And I, I just think, why did Warner Brothers hire people who never wrote or directed a film before to make their first one be this? And why would you give them $50 million in a huge franchise for their first film? Let them let them work their way on something else before you give them that. And then they get to make the sequel after the first film was awfully received by everyone. And I don't think it made a ton of money. I mean, it was put on HBO Max. It was during the pandemic. But still. I don't think it made a ton of money. I didn't like it. I don't think many people liked it. And I just really hope this means they gave them, the the creative team gave them a great pitch for the sequel. And I hope, just make it better than original. I want to go into this with an open mind. I want a really good film, please. And then also, hopefully we'll get to see the sequel in theaters, unlike the first one, which was put out date and date on HBO Max, as I just said. And I watched that in between classes at school. So anything would be better than that. I want to see this in the theater. I want to see it on the big screen. And then the third one I got to mention, that's beginning... That is actually starting to film this week is Knuckles, which is a Sonic spinoff. It's set between Sonic 2 and 3 and follows Knuckles as he trains Wade as his protege and teaches him the ways of the Echidna Warriors. I said Echidna, right? Um, I like the first Sonic, but I actually love Sonic 2. Sonic 2 was like 
probably my favorite video game movie. Favorite video game series, Last of Us, but favorite video game movie was definitely Sonic 2. Much better than Mario, I gotta mention. It's also one of my sister's favorite movies of all time. Her favorite movies last year were Avatar The Way of Water and Sonic 2, two great movies that I love, and she loves them too, so we got similar tastes at this point. And then Jim Carrey, he was great in those movies, and I loved I loved jumping around the globe in the sequel, and then if Mario was on the same quality as I said, level Sonic 2, I would be jumping on my seat because I love the Mario games, and I wish we had as good a movie as we did for Sonic franchise. Like, I would be on the top of the world. <laughs> Idris Elba, who was in Mar- Sonic 2, he was great as Knuckles, and he was actually really funny towards the end of it, and I'm actually really excited we're getting a series that will follow his character. I do not care for the Wade character, however, but hopefully this series will delve more, a lot more into Knuckles' backstory and less in the Wade stuff. Like, I only need him for one episode. Please don't make him in the whole series, please. I just, I really don't like that comedian. I mean, he, I'm not, nothing against him personally, but I don't find him funny at all. He's very annoying. <laughs> I have hope for this, and for someone who's not a Star Trek enjoyer, nor a fan of the Yellowstone universe, I'm glad Paramount Plus is getting something that I will actually enjoy watching, and be, I started halo i never finished halo it was not very it was not good at all <laughs> it was not good maybe i'll jump back on it with season two if that reactions get good so I, w- I want something on paramount plus i can get excited for besides maybe south park every now and then um so hopefully this could be it and i also want the series to bleed right into sonic 3 which also i have to say releases the same day as out to the way of water so that's going to make an amazing double feature and my sister is going to love that she as i said those are her two favorite films avatar 2 and sonic 2 so she's going to be off the charts <laughs> paramount i just gotta please please make this show good please make this show good and it'll make me so much more excited for sonic 3 and the next up we have an announcement a godzilla versus kong sequel we just got our first look at the godzilla versus kong 2 as i said which should be titled godzilla times kong or x kong the new empire um that title is not very good <laughs> now first of all when i saw that title i immediately thought that the two were going to be a couple for a second when i saw that x I don't hate it. Some of the some of the fan fiction drawings out there are kind of funny. So like, hey, you just know SNL is gonna make a skit on that when the film comes out. I I'm gonna I'll be all here for it. And I want to give a little history of my love for the MonsterVerse franchise. I haven't really talked about it before, but I really like them. I came around to these films when Godzilla King of the Monsters came out. I really enjoyed both the first Godzilla and Kong Skull Island to some level. I thought they were both pretty good. I think I like Godzilla more than Kong Skull Island. Godzilla, I like Brian Cranston, and even though he died, it was it was an enjoyable film. But I really, really love Godzilla King of the Monsters. The critics did not like that movie. I loved, I loved that movie. Vera Farmiga was great, and so was Millie Bobby Brown. And the action scenes were so good. I thought the story was pretty good, too. It just worked on all levels for me, especially all the monster action. It just makes me want to go back and rewatch it now and talk about it. That film bombed so hard, though. But thankfully, they were already filming Godzilla vs. Kong at the time. So there was no stopping that film. But it got significantly delayed by the pandemic and went on to be released day and date on HBO Max. And I actually saw this one in theaters. Like, I think it was besides Tenet, which I saw back in September 2020. This was the first movie that really got me back out to the theaters was Godzilla vs. Kong. And I think it got a lot of people back out to the theaters. Um, it was such a great time in the movies. My favorite, I have to say, is still Godzilla King of the Monsters. But I did have a great time at Godzilla vs. Kong. And this news has made me want to go back and rewatch Godzilla vs. Kong and Godzilla King of the Monsters. I just love them so much. They dropped a quick teaser for the new film. And it sh- I think it shows off the new villain that's probably related to Kong somehow. But I'm really hoping we focus more on the non-monkey creatures because I really am Team Godzilla all the way through. Kong's not my favorite at all. He's just a big ape that I big ape that was about it i want crazy cool looking reptilian creatures in my monster movies okay okay i want I, I have something i love godzilla and i love mothra i love rodan rodan's my favorite i love king Ghidorah. 
I don't like a giant ape. I like the crazy sh the crazy stuff. <laughs> we also see the skulls of Godzilla and Kong, and I just am very excited for next March for this film to come out. But also, to throw this out here, it doesn't look like Millie Bobby Brown will be coming back for for her third film in the MonsterVerse, unless it's being held secret for some reason. But I really loved her in these movies, and everything she does, I love everything she does. Stranger Things, uh, she did an all home. She's great in all the stuff she does, so I hope she shows up for just a little bit. And Alexander Skarsgård, he isn't coming back either. He's great in this. What is he just doing? Filming more Succession? He's great in Succession, but I want him in this too. Please give me give me the cast members I liked. Give me the human characters I liked. Because I know how everybody says they don't like the human characters in these stories. I like some of them. And I want them back. Maybe bring back Fear of Formiga, even though she died. You can explain it somehow. Bring back Brian Cranston. Cranston, even though he died. Bring back Elizabeth Olsen. Bring back the people I love. <laughs> Let's not focus on the boring people. <laughs> and then, now, I want to briefly discuss the new events that have transpired around Jonathan Majors. I didn't really address it when it first came out because I was kind of absorb absorbing the news. But I take I take no stance on the action he did or did not commit. And I want to leave that up for the law to decide. But I do want to talk about how the ramifications that will happen to the, on the movie sphere. The two most shocking pieces of news I've heard this year was one, the Harry Potter reboot. And two, that Jonathan Majors had been arrested for domestic assault allegations and charges were brought against him. He had just been amazing in Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania and Creed 3. He had like he was at number one at the box office for three weeks in a row with two separate movies. That was incredible. He showed up to present at the Oscars. He was great. He, he also had a huge awards film coming out at the end of the year called Magazine Dreams. And now who knows what if that movie's ever going to come out. But now we found out that his management and his agency has dropped him a month after charges were brought against him. And now we have other women stepping forward. His lawyer argues she has proof that will prove his innocence, but that's yet to be released unless it's just to the court itself. I, if they showed it to the management, they still dropped him. It doesn't. It must not be a great piece of evidence. And I think this is looking more and more like it's going to go to court. Um, Deadline reported that Marvel has no discussions about his role as Kang, but they would not be. They would be stupid not to have made some phone calls. It's looking more and more like they're going to recast, and I'm curious if they're going to make the final decision before or after Loki, Loki Season 2 comes out. Um, Kang scenes have already been filmed, and it seems like he's going to be a big part of the series, and it just really annoys me that this keeps happening to franchises that I love to, like, actors need some serious help sometimes, and it makes me so angry that it completely it completely ruins my enjoyment, enjoyment of some of these projects. Ezra Miller has effectively killed any excitement that I've had for Flash. I'm just so tired that I <laughs> that they haven't said whether that they've got rid of them. They need to make an announcement. That they, I know they're probably not going to work with them in the future, but still that back of my brain that they haven't said that they're done with that actor. It just it makes me angry, and every time I go see a movie, basically they're playing the Flash in front of it, and it makes me angry every time I see him on screen, and they've done nothing about it. it just, ugh. I just hope that Ezra Miller and Jonathan Majors get the help they need and face the repercussions if they deserve them or not. Ezra Miller at this point deserves them. Jonathan Majors will let it go to court. We'll let the judges decide, but... I'm just tired of this actually hurting the experience of the film. People need to do better, or at least studios need to do better background checks. They already cut majors out of all, any posters for Am in the Lost Quantumania on the digital release. He's nowhere to be found. And hopefully they won't cancel Loki Season 2. If they must reshoot it, then go ahead and do it, but don't you dare let this be the cause of the cancellation. So many other people have put their hearts and souls on these projects for one person to tear it all down. Just like with The Flash, I feel bad because every time I watch it, I just get like a gross reaction to it because... Ezra Miller is involved in it, his face around the front screen, but I know he's just one cog in a whole machinery, and it's just hard for that to sit in the back of my brain when I just see his face, see their face up there. It just, it makes me very angry, and I try to, I'm trying to stay focused on that and less on the Ezra Miller situation. And I really hope that all these allegations of Jonathan Majors are false. I really do, but it's, it's not looking good right now. Not looking good right now. Um, now, though, I get to go talk about some exciting news. Mandalorian finale came out on Wednesday night. Oh, Oh, it was so great. It was so great. 
Um, in man, did that Mandalorian stunt actor, the man, a uh, stunt actor that plays Jin Jin Jarin, he trolled us so hard. He said the finale was going to hit really hard, and I was fully preparing for myself for the fact that Din Djarin would die, and I was really preparing for the worst. But the opposite of that happened. <laughs> yes. Let's start by breaking down the episode. We start off with Mando escaping from the guards, and then he has to break into Moff Gideon's headquarters. We had this awesome action scene where, Mandal- where Mando opens like the red laser beams one after the another, like a John Wick action scene where he takes on two guards at a time while the others watch. Um, Din Djarin makes it to Gideon's quarters, and here's something I wish the episode focused more on. There was two seasons of buildup on why Moff Gideon wanted Grogu's blood, and all that was to make clones of himself to rule the galaxy. They answered that in one sentence. I wish we could have delved more into that, but honestly, I think, for th- I think at this point, they're saving, they're saving all that for a movie to pave the way for Palpatine's return in the sequel trilogy. So I think they're, gonna, they're, they're not really addressing it because they know that movie's coming out. But let's just focus the other storyline or action beat in this episode because it's mostly just a really 30-minute long action scene, and I couldn't have loved it more. Um, but that is, uh, let's talk about everything that involved Bo-Katan, who, got, who gets reinforcements from the troops in outer space, and we see some jetpack versus jetpack fighting in the air. This was so cool. This is the way. It was great. I loved every minute of this from when the armor dropped from the ship with the rest of the Mandalorians. When one of the one of the Mandalorians like slid across the deck and then fell below to take out the Star Troopers with her with her um, knee cannons, Armor was just slamming fools down with her with her uh, tools. It was so cool. Uh, it was I was grinning ear to ear. It was just a whole lot of awesome. Um, then we see Din Jaren get separated from Grogu by the Praetorian guards, but then Bo Katan shows up, and this is when we see my favorite part of the episode, and honestly, probably my favorite episode of the entire show, or one of the, and that is Bo Katan. Din Djarin and Grogu teaming up to fight Mop Gideon. Oh, they were all working together. It made me so happy to see them work together. It was great. And Mop Gideon seemingly dies by an explosion. I do not for one second believe he's gone. He just mentioned clones a second ago, but who knows? We'll see. I bet you he comes back as a clone. And there was this funny thing I saw on Twitter with some guy talking about how he didn't have a mustache this season and the clones didn't have mustaches, so that means Moff Gideon was a clone, and he was making a joke out of it. But honestly, I don't think Lucas, I think Lucasfilm might have done, might do something like that. But I think he's definitely coming back, and I think he's either he might definitely get killed off in season four, or they might save that for the movie. Um, but Grogu saves Din Djarin and Bogotan from the explosion, and it was just it was so beautiful the way he was holding back the fireball. And I just, I really wanted Bogotan and Jinjarn to end up together. I know I say this after for each episode, but I shipped them so much like no character ever before. <laughs> I do have one grievance, though, with this scene, and that is how the Darksaber came to an end. Moff Gideon just broke it. I don't think that, like, how that works. It's pure Beskar. I don't know, I don't know what the logic is behind there. Even though Moff Gideon's armor was Beskar, I don't think that's how it works. Um, I've been most disappointed with its use this season. From Jinjarn, he just gave it to Bogotan instead of them having, like, actual conflict over it. And I really wanted to see them fight. And now it's just being tossed aside like nothing. Like, we didn't fight whole seasons for it. Ugh. Ugh, it just made me angry. I wish they wrote the Darksaber better because it's such a freaking cool weapon. And hopefully they'll rebuild it. I want them to rebuild it because it's so cool. <laughs> but this episode ends with Bo-Katan. She reignites the Flame of Mandalore and Din Djarin. He adopts Grogu. And they settle down in a place in Navarro. And that, what a freaking happy ending. As I said before, I was so, I was so ready for a sad ending but i'm very happy that it did not go that way 
We do see some seeds sown for the future of the franchise. Mandalorian Season 4, will, I think it's supposed to begin filming in October. That will focus on Din Djarin find, finding the remnants of the Empire while working for the New Republic. And I think that will lead like directly into the movie. The Mythosaur was also seen again, but still hasn't revealed itself. So at this point, I think they're just saving it for the film. I wish I thought he was going to show up on this finale, but he didn't, which is kind of upsetting. But I let's save it for the big screen. A lot of stuff was set up this season with only a few things getting answers and small answers at that. So I think most of it's being saved for the film at this point, as I said. If the payoff coming later will make an amazing film, I will be all here for it. So, yeah, that's to say Mandalorian Episode 8 was one of my favorite episodes of the entire show. Kind of made Mandalorian Season 3 kind of worth it. But now I want to rank the Mandalorian episodes. First of all, should I go for, I think I'm going to go from, from best to worst. Let's go from best to worst. Eight. It was my favorite, as I just said. You just heard all my thoughts in the episode, and it is one of my favorites of the entire show. As I said, was it, it's right up there with the finales of the first two seasons, and then Ahsoka's great episode of season two. I think that was chapter 15. Then second has to be chapter seven, which was or episode seven of the series. Gideon's return was great, and seeing Paz Vizsla's, sacri- Paz Vizsla's sacrifice was just so beautiful. I could have spent less time on the old Mandalorians on the planet, and there should have been more Mandalorians exploring the planet. It was just some logic issues, but overall... It was a great episode. It led right into episode 8, so it was great. Third favorite was episode 5. I love the planet of Navarro, and seeing an action scene that took place on the ground and in the air was so cool to see. And it was very fun seeing them just all take out pirates, all teaming up. It was a great episode. And I love any time we get to see uh, we get to see Carl Weathers. He's great. <laughs> and then fourth up would be chapter 1. I just recently rewatched this episode, and it's very, very well-paced. We jump around from planets. I felt like it was a whole meal. And it set up everything that comes in the season and more. And it, it was just, it was it was a great start to the season. Um, number five would have to be episode two. Some of the pacing in this episode slows down a lot more because I just recently watched it as well. Din and, Gro- Din, Darn and Grogu were just walking around the underbelly of Mandalore. But the highlights of this were definitely uniting of Din, Djarin, and Bo-Katan. We finally see them come together. Especially when Bo-Katan wielded the Darksaber to take out the Spire Droid. Oh, it's so great. And then also her seeing the Mythosaur. At the end, underwater kind of took my breath away and kind of like actually startled me, and it kind of made the whole episode much better. Just built off that foundation. Um, sixth favorite, what or third worst would have to be chapter four. Um, it was a fun side episode, side episode, but had some really stupid decisions from the Mandalorians. But at least it shows Bo-Katan bonding with the Mandalorians at least and helps set her up to lead them. But other than that, it was just a fun but really stupid episode. Also, I do have to point out that they were roasting the baby birds they got in this episode later on in seasons, and I thought that was really funny because I talked about whether or not they were going to ride them or not. I thought they were going to ride them in the battle, but nope, they roasted them. They used them for meat. And then my second worst, or seventh favorite, however you want to word it, is chapter three. Here is where the negatives start to outweigh the positives for me, because this episode started out so strong with Bo-Katan's home getting bombed, and we see an awesome aerial battle sequence with TIE interceptors and the N1 Starfighter and Bo-Katan ship, but then we get bogged down by following a set of characters I do not care about, but at least it's on a planet I love, that being Coruscant. But also, with this storyline, I thought that maybe it was going to set up stuff later on in the season, but it did not. That was a whole pointless. If she was just going to fry his brain, why? if we never went back to that, why not just kill him? She should have just killed him. It would have made it a lot simpler. <laughs> and then my least favorite of the entire show has to be Chapter 6. I really only like the bonding between Bo-Katan and Din Djarin and then Bo-Katan retaking the fleet in this episode because other than that, it was just really, felt really, really boring. The droid mystery subplot was absolutely awful and was like out of like a five-year-old cartoon, something out of a really bad episode of Clone Wars. And the celebrity cameos just took away from the story being told. 
Um, I don't think I'm ever going to go back and rewatch this episode, to be honest. Although this is nothing against Lizzo and Jack Black because I love them, but I just don't think they fit in this episode. But that'll do it for this season of Mandalorian. I really, I have really high hopes for the fourth season. I have high hopes for the movie and Ahsoka. Ahsoka, I'm so excited for. I just, my excitement grows by the day for Ahsoka. And I can't just see what happens next to these characters. Although it sucks now that I will have to wait until late June before another big show comes out on Disney+. Plus. That being Secret Invasion. But it's, I've been great. It's been great reviewing Mandalorian. It's like my first full series I reviewed from opening to end. It was, it was great. It was such a good time. Even though it's not on the level, same quality level as the first and second, it's much far below. I still, it still has some of the very, very high highs that I expect for the Mandalorian, and I just love spending time with these characters. So, overall, it's one thumbs up for me. It's not two thumbs up; it's one thumbs up for me. <laughs> but no new movies are coming out next week. But we do have the debut of Peter Pan and Wendy on Disney Plus. As I've said before, the trailer actually looks pretty good, but the color is so dark and gray that it makes it look very dull and uninteresting. A lot of people have the same type of argument for the theatrical live action remakes from Disney, the Little Mermaid um, remake recently um they've had the same arguments but the more and more tv spots they put out it's starting to look really colorful and my excitement is actually growing because of melissa mccarthy herself i just watched heat for the first time she's fantastic in that and it just makes me more excited to see her as ursula i can't wait so peter pan and come Wendy, peter pan and wendy comes out next friday and my review will probably go out come up the following ex- week's episode of seeing it all along with my gardens of galaxy review i can't believe it's almost may i'm, I'm ready for summer but the reviews kind of have uh, some of the first reactions dropped out for Peter Pan and Winnie, and they're just they're they're not very good, and they're holding off the review embargo till the day it released. So it's it doesn't look like it's a good sign for that film. And the next week also is CinemaCon, which is where all the studios will put on presentations for their upcoming releases, and they present them to theater owners about their upcoming films. We'll probably see some new trailers released, and we'll have some new films announced, uh, th- new film announcements, and we're gonna break down each and every big notable studio info that comes out. I'll probably do it. Probably doing studio by studio. But my big bet is that they will announce a Super Mario Bros. 2 here and maybe a Zelda film. I think that's probably the most no-brainer announcements. The people of CinemaCon also get to watch new movies. The screenings of Boogeyman, which hopefully can be as good as Evil Dead Rise now. Joyride, which looks really fun with Stephanie Hsu. And a couple other notable actresses. That looks great. And the most notable one to me is The Flash. We will actually see if it lives up to the hype or not when people actually get to see this movie. Some clips and trailers have come out in the past week. The CGI looks so, so bad. So hopefully the actual story itself will make up for it in tenfolds. Also, as I said, Ezra Miller still still ruins it. and makes He still he's ruins it. <laughs> he also runs so weird. It makes The Flash look really odd and not cool. Macari from the Eternals is the bar I've set for speedsters, and the Flash does not cut it at this point. So I'm very excited to see all the news that comes out from these panels. Um, I do want to mention, though, that I didn't talk about this that much in this episode, but they dropped a new Fast X trailer right after the CinemaCon discussion, as I just said. So I thought they were going to save that to CinemaCon, but nope, they dropped it They dropped it a few days ago. I honestly really didn't like this new trailer. It kind of just exemplified all the stuff I didn't enjoy about the franchise, but I'm sure we'll talk about more later. Brie Larson, Jason Momoa. They look great, though. Brie Larson was in, like, a blue suit shooting guys. Oh, it was great. Jason Momoa looks like he's totally hamming up with his villain. I love it. Vin Diesel, though, eh, he didn't look so good. And, but the director of this is getting is getting the last Fast and Furious movie of the 11, so hopefully that means they like this film. But I don't know. They give 10 to the guy who did 9 before he got fired, so it was, it was a whole mess. It's a, it's a crap shoot over there. It's a crap shoot. Hopefully... Hopefully this movie is good as because is my one of, becomes one of my favorite Fast and Furious franchises and it does not repeat the mistakes of Fast Nine. Although having two semi trucks crash into each other as Dom drives down the Hoover Dam is not looking so hot right now. <laughs> and I do have to mention one more thing is I watched Beef, 
on Netflix. Highly recommend it. It was a great series, episode nine. I was not expecting. I want to throw that out there as a recommendation. And then Adam Driver, there's rumors that he's going to get cast in Fantastic Four. And I think I'm going to wait to talk about all that till we see the whole Fantastic Four casting or com- confirmation of it. But I just want to throw those two things out there. So definitely watch Beef if you haven't. But that'll do it for this week's episode of Seen It All. What did you think of Evil Dead Rise? I, if you're horror aficionados, I think you're going to love, love this film. And then make sure you follow us on our social media channels at Seen It All Podcast or Seen It All Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You get all the updates right there. And sometimes they give my first reactions to stuff on Twitter before the show itself. So you can see all my early thoughts out there. And make sure you come back next week so we can break down all the CinemaCon announcements. Thank you all for stopping by. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>